Hey everybody, Joseph here, one of the pastors at the First Presbyterian Church of Flint, and I wanted to welcome you to our sermon podcast, a show that features the latest sermons preached here at First Pres. But first, a little bit about us. The First Presbyterian Church of Flint is an historic downtown congregation, proudly part of the Presbyterian Church USA, the largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States. We have a vibrant and thriving ministry to our neighbors here in Flint and are engaged weekly in worship, faith formation, a dynamic ministry to kids and teenagers, and community building across generations. You can learn more at fpcf.org. You can check out our weekly live stream broadcasts on our channel on YouTube. But better yet, you can stop by any Sunday at 930 to worship with us. We'd love to welcome you and your family to worship. Now, here's this week's sermon. Thank you once again for allowing me to grace this pulpit. I'm honored to be in the position that I'm in because I'm able to share the good news with you all on Sunday and then share good news with people that I journey with during the week. As I stand before you today, I'm also a friendly reminder that we have our annual Gerholtz Banquet on Monday, September 19th. So feel free to give us a call this week if you have an RSVP. Invite your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, who are, invite whoever you want. All are welcome. But without further ado, let me get to the word. For those of you who like to take notes and need a title to my sermon today, Today's title is The Great Advocate. The Great Advocate. It was in 1968, sanitation workers went on strike in Memphis, Tennessee. That developed into a movement that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. participated in. It was during this strike that King was assassinated. The sanitation workers' wages were so low that 40% of them qualified for welfare and many worked second jobs. The strike began after two black sanitation workers sat inside the back of the garbage truck to stay dry. They were unfortunately killed due to an old malfunctioning truck. But it was the city's policy that forced these black sanitation workers into the trucks during the inclement weather. One historian, Taylor Branch, wrote that the city barred shelter stops in residential neighborhoods after citizens complained about unsightly picnics by Negro sanitation workers. These policies or rules were ultimately lethal and unjust. Now, as we take a look at our text today, we find an advocate named Jesus who disrupts policies or religious laws that were unjust. In our passage, we find Jesus teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. In an earlier chapter in Luke, it states that it was normal for Jesus to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus was faithful to Israel's practices by observing worship on the Sabbath. I mean, Jesus was a greater preacher teacher of all time. So I find it fitting that he was in a house of worship. But let's not forget that we are designed to worship. 
God desires our worship. So what do we know about the synagogue's worship services? We know that the synagogue services had an order of service. The order of worship may resemble what we are accustomed today in our services. Their services would include prayers, reading scripture, possibly songs, a sermon or homily, and a benediction. Different tasks were given to people, and the service was overseen by a synagogue ruler who had an assistant, hence the leader that complained about Jesus in our text today. But let me not get ahead of myself just yet. So we see that the woman with the spirit that had crippled her for 18 years attends the service that Jesus is teaching at. As I studied this scripture, I grappled with the fact that it was a spirit that caused her to be in this condition. Now, this scripture is not a blanket statement saying that all health conditions are caused by spirits. But this scripture lets us know that the enemy is real. I sit before you before we entered the season of Lent and preached about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. So let me just refresh your memory just in case you forgot what I talked about. I said, the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. This mysterious oppositional force attempted to rob us of our salvation even before Jesus' ministry started. So I wonder if the enemy tempted this woman on the Sabbath and tried to get her not to go to the service. But she showed up that day, not knowing that she was about to meet the Creator and the maker of the Sabbath. So maybe that's a word for someone today, to keep pressing your way through and to keep showing up to this worship service, knowing that God will show up and meet you where you are. You see, not only did God meet this woman where she was, he saw her. In a society where this woman was invisible, God saw her. In a society where this woman was an outcast that was marginalized, ostracized, seen less than, God saw her. He didn't just walk past her or just glimpse over her in the service. He saw her. And don't you know that God sees you too? In spite of how society may treat you, in spite of how even church folk may treat you, God sees you. God sees your entire being. He sees your heart, he sees your spirit, and he sees your suffering. Jesus saw this woman suffering. He called her over and he spoke to her. This woman was isolated from society and Jesus spoke to her. I mean, I can only imagine what her mental, emotional, and spiritual state was. We don't know if she could have suffered from depression or suffered from the shame of having this health condition. But during this pandemic, many people were cut off from their friends and family. According to the World Health Organization, people reported having symptoms of depression, anxiety, and even post-traumatic stress. 
For those who already suffered from mental health issues, their symptoms were exacerbated. I think it's safe to say that we can all empathize, and some of us can even identify with this woman in the text today. There is something about being in community that is healing. If you've ever been in counseling, we may ask, like, what is your support system? Because we know that support systems are an important part of you being able to reach your goals. And we're not meant to be in isolation. You see, Jesus was able to lift her stay-at-home order and take her out of social isolation. Jesus then tells this woman that she is set free from her ailment, and he laid hands on her. The woman immediately stood up and was healed. Since Jesus gave her an audience, let's put focus on our attention for just one moment on her. The woman was silent in the text. She appeared to be minding her own business. We don't see her coming to Jesus and asking Jesus, can you heal me? We don't know if she had just accepted the fate of being bound by the enemy for the rest of her life. But aren't you glad that we serve a God who knows our needs, even if we don't say a word, and can tend to those needs regardless of how long you've been suffering from your circumstances? Jesus restored her back to society after 18 years he restored her health. He made her clean because she was once considered unclean. And what does this woman do after she was healed? She began to praise God, and rightfully so. But unfortunately, not everyone was happy about this healing. So let me pause and say that some folks may not be happy about your healing when it takes place. Remember the synagogue leader that I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon? He was not happy. Yep, you heard that right. The religious leader was not happy about healing. The synagogue leader told the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath. I feel like the synagogue leader could use some coaching on his communication skills. I mean, his approach was to address this situation with a passive-aggressive remarks as he made. I mean, we've probably all encountered these types of people, or we may be even one of those ourselves. The synagogue leader didn't address Jesus directly, but addressed the crowd and ignored the needs of the woman. But before we start to criticize him, we have to understand why he was so upset. So let's take a look at the history of the Sabbath. God first modeled it in Genesis 2. God rested on the seventh day from all the work that was done. Now, as the counselor, we are taught about different theories to guide us when we're working with our clients. In the social learning theory, the concept is that we don't only learn by doing, but we also learn by watching what others do. So God modeled that rest for us in Genesis. When we get to Exodus, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments and tell us, tells us to observe the Sabbath. 
When we get to Leviticus 23, it tells us that the, what the synagogue leader basically told Jesus that there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. So I guess that's why what the synagogue leader was trying to address to the crowd so that the crowd would not model the behavior of Jesus on the Sabbath. But Jesus was not in opposition of the Sabbath, not working. I mean, he was the one that created it. So that wouldn't make sense that he would go against himself or what he had established. The problem was not the law that God put into place. The issue was that the religious leaders added all these additional rules to the Sabbath so that people would observe it and not violate it. So the religious leaders determined how far a person could walk and what a person could do. One of the rules stated that the Sabbath journey was 2,000 paces. You could only walk 2,000 paces. Now I know for all of you who have a Fitbit, Apple Watch, or whatever other device that may count your steps will be all up in arms because you wouldn't be able to get your steps in. Now, that rule may be burdensome to you. Now, another rule stated that a scribe could not carry his pen in his belt. But the rule that Jesus broke was that you were not allowed to heal on the Sabbath. Healing was only in critical cases, like life or death situations. Healing was not for chronic conditions like we see in the text today. For those of you who may suffer from chronic conditions or even had any type of illness, may feel like it's a matter of life or death for you when it comes to your healing. I have a close friend who was injured on the job while she was working to pay for her nursing degree. She was able to complete her degrees but has not been able to work in the field due to her back problems. She began to lose her balance. She was walking slanted. She had disc herniations and had a thoracic fusion surgery. The doctor had to put screws in so they could fuse part of her thoracic spine together. A year later, she would have to have another back surgery but prior to that surgery, she had to have part of her colon removed. After the colon surgery and after the second back surgery, she had to have neck surgery due to an injury that was caused by a medical treatment that she received. She will be having a third back surgery soon. She has been living with issues where her leg is going numb. She said she is tired of the pain. She says that she has allowed the condition to consume her for over eight years and that she was in a dark place. Sounds like a lot to endure, right? The woman with the bent back also had a lot to endure. So it sounds absurd to make the woman wait one more day for her healing. Jesus knew it didn't make sense to have the woman wait and appeared that he was the only one who can help this woman with her problem. So he addressed the religious leaders. 
Now, I like the way Jesus communicates. He's always assertive. So assertive communication is when a person emphasizes their needs, but also understands the needs of others. Jesus confronted the religious leaders and said, but don't you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the manger and lead it to water? And why should this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 years, not be set free from her bondage on the Sabbath? So I wanted to yell as I was reading the scripture, like, yes, Jesus, tell him, tell him. There's a lot to unpack what Jesus said. First, he addresses the fact that they will take care of the needs of their ox or donkey, is this woman's life not more valuable than an animal? You will help quench the thirst of your animal by giving it water, but this woman's thirst for healing, her thirst for inclusion in her community can't be quenched? How much more valuable is this woman's life? I mean, do we still think like that today? Secondly, he addresses the fact that this woman is a daughter of Abraham. She is part of a community and has a right to be free from Satan's bond on the Sabbath. This woman deserves a right to be set free right here, right now, today, so that we can welcome her back into the community. I mean, what rules have we established that are not a part of God's divine order that may cause others to be excluded from the communities that we stay in, even our church communities, because of who they are or what they may do. Who are the insiders? Who are the outsiders? This is a crisis situation. 18 years is a long time to be bound by the enemy. It was critical that Jesus set this woman's woman free of Satan's control. This is a testament to God's authority and power. The enemy is no match for our God. God can and will defeat evil. Jesus will advocate for you just like he did this woman. Jesus died for us all, so what will he not do for you? So as I get ready to close and go back to my seat, I ask my friend, who I mentioned in this sermon, how does this scripture speak to you? She said, the scripture helps her to realize that God does not stop working, that there is no time frame in which God is limited to do his works. She said, sometimes you may get down, but I'm gonna to continue to trust in God, continue to live out my purpose, and not allow my disability to consume me. So may you all continue to put your trust in God and know that God never stops working on your behalf because he is the great advocate. Amen.